for a better understanding on a daily basis. All I'm trying to say is that within Pangshin local government, from 1999 to death, we have never been to the Senate. Leading to critical social, political and economic conversations by those who matter. If you chop alone, you will die alone. He did not chop alone. So it is his turn to chop. Today, look at the consequences. That is such a man that had the timidity, the audacity to talk to a governor who still produced, produced the highest votes in 2015. In 2015, what happened to him? He insisted that his own boy would be governor. The best journalist are seeking all the hidden answers with active citizens reacting. As at the time that Sonomolade left office, that was in 1983, there was a very big gap between 1983 and also 1999. Seriously. Join Ponsak Fada and Gilbert Joseph as they talk to those that matter to enable you grapple with the issues. Weekdays 5 to 6 p.m. on Nigeria at Sunset on J101.9 FM. Very good evening to you and welcome to the program Nigeria at Sunset on J101.9 here in Jaws. My name is Ponsak Fanab. It's a beautiful Monday evening. Today is 1st of May. It's a new month and it's Walker's Day. Happy Walker's Day to you, uh, Gilbert. Ponsak Fanab the Walker. Happy Walker's Day to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I trust you had a great weekend. Yeah, I did. Um, because I did as well. Had a short tour around the city. Yes, it's part of the city. I was at Du, you know, where I met with my very good friend, um, Reverend Father Gregory Richard. He works at the St. Augustine's College there, and it was, for me, a refreshing moment to have a reminder of what this city is exactly about again. Mm. A serene environment, beautiful atmosphere to behold, and um, of course, when you're there, you remember some of the developmental strides recorded in this city, in this state, some time back, and I think it's it's worthy of note because whatever it is that a leader does, it remains with you and it goes down to the annals of history, and that is exactly what for me, you know, I was able to remember and take away over the weekend. Yeah, well, uh, the weekend was good. It was, uh, I mean, a mixture of sleep, uh, work, and and enjoyment. I would say. Uh, well, happy Workers' Day to. Uh, you're listening to us out there. Well, uh, I don't know how to start, but I, I learned that Arsenal are number two on the Premier League table right now, Gilbert. Uh, there is so much to play for, Ponsak. Uh, but I think... <laughs> all right, all right. The league is on. The league isn't over. And it's not won on the first day of May. So... <laughs> uh, I know, but, you know, it's the chances, you know. And you're my friend. I know you support Arsenal Football Club, so... <laughs> Uh, I don't want if Man City wins the league or any other team will win, and then it's going to disturb your flow of work. So, and that's why I care, you know, about you. Uh, While well, Arsenal will go up, they will be on the table again. Like the joke will go, where is the remote Arsenal? You know, on on the table. On or the, the elephant's the presence at the yeah. top. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, let's start this way. The uh, Speaker of the House of uh, uh, the Plateau State House of Assembly, Right Honourable uh, Noah Abok, is wishing or has wished. Uh, to Workers, a happy Workers' Day. Happy Workers' Day. Uh, let me read part of a statement, you know. Uh, there's why I have a reason of why I'm bringing this up, and I'm very thankful that we have uh, seasoned people to help us to um, make meaning, you know, so to say, 
of what's going on at the Plateau State House of Assembly. In a statement by his press secretary, Bulu Satangazi, uh, the speaker, um, he felicitated with the workers in Nigeria on this year's Workers' Day. He noted with gratitude that Nigerian workers, particularly those in Plateau State over the years, have demonstrated shared sacrifice, commitment, and dedication to their assigned duties and are contributing immensely to the growth, stability, and development of the state and the country at, at large in spite of the overwhelming, challenging working uh, condition. And the self-imposed speaker, Yakubo Sanda, uh, because he's, as far as, you know, before the eyes of the law, he's illegal. Uh, he put out a statement and, you know, I wonder what gave him the uh, guts or, you know, the authority, you know, to put out a statement wishing workers happy. And, you know, he said, speaker. I said, which speaker? Is it a voodoo speaker? Or Because as far as, you know, what the law, the law is concerned, uh, Right Honorable Noah Bokayuba is the speaker of the Plateau State House of Assembly until the end of his tenure and until a court uh, say he's not again. But as far as we know, Right Honorable Noah Bokayuba is the speaker and he's wishing Nigerian uh, workers, happy workers day. And it brings to attention the role that the police has been playing, Gilbert. The police are making it as look as if it's a war situation that will happen in the Plantons State House of Assembly, denying members, you know, uh, access to go and do their job. And it's very painful. It's very painful. And I like the fact that you... You, you first described him as a self-styled or self-imposed mm-hmm. speaker, and that is exactly what it is. In the eye of the law, there's only one speaker of the Plateau State House of Assembly, and it is certainly not, you know, Yakubu Sanda, and that is no Abok. As far as the last judgment, to that effect is concerned. And we've often given scenarios or different examples to portray how well, you know, the law should be followed. Assuming it was... For example, I say this carefully. It was the governor of Plateau State that was, you know, um, removed or impeached. Impeached, you know, and then the court grants this sort of judgment. Would we still see, you know, the current or the incumbent governor in that context? Yeah, or illegally impeached. Illegally impeached. Yeah, illegally. In that context, would we still see the police act in this fashion? So we've seen in this country where a court of competent jurisdiction says, look, you did not win an election. And so you have to give way for the valid winner of that election. And these things have come to be, or they have come to be. We've seen several examples. So why is a speaker's position now a problem? Why has the House of Assembly been under lock and key for this long? And then you have just a number of days to pack off, to move away. 28 days now. You know, so why are you writing history in the most negative of terms? You know, it's, it's this simple. And I think the fact that you have served a larger chunk of the tenure means you should be honorable enough to give way, you know, and then to just allow the, the, um, the legal things be done as they should be. It's too bad. And I think that going forward, people would not understand the implication of what they are doing until they leave the corridors of power. Yeah. I totally agree with you. So, uh, well, as far as we know, Right Honorable Noah Bokayuba is the illegitimate speaker of the uh, Plateau State House of Assembly, not the self-styled uh, Honorable uh, Yakubu Sanda. Well, uh, Governor Lalong is also wishing workers a happy Workers' Day. But let me read part of his statement. You know, maybe I don't, I, I don't know uh, Plateau State very well, uh, Gilbert. <laughs> <laughs> me read part of, you know, the statement that uh, Governor Lalong, you know, I uh, gave, you know, today. 
Okay. Um, okay, he said, in one paragraph, he said, this administration, in collaboration with the Federal Mortgage Bank of Nigeria, also provided home renovation loan to over 2,500 civil servants in a porosmic sum of 3 million naira each across ministries, departments, and agencies to ease housing challenges they face. This is in addition to the assistance by the government to the Nigerian Labor Congress in the purchase of the land for the NLC housing project in Jebu Miango, which I understand some blocks have been completed and will be commissioned before I leave office. Do we, are we, is the plot of Lalong imaginary or is it real? Because I don't know of any civil. I mean, if you're a civil servant and if you receive this loan from the Plantu State Government, please call us, you know, for us to know. We're not uh, discrediting. Like is, yes. Yeah, we're not he discrediting. It's across ministries, departments, and, and agencies. agencies of government. So, so and he said three million naira each. Yes. Uh, three million naira each across, and two thousand over two thousand five hundred. Yeah. Yes. So basically, on paper. On paper, the governor has what um, describes Plateau State for him. And then, of course, oh, he said like the homes will be commissioned before he leaves office. And that's what I'm saying. On okay. paper, mm-hmm. he has a different reality from what uh, maybe Ponsac has or maybe what I do have. So uh, let's try to compare. And since you have asked workers to attest to these facts, we would need them to know if the plateau of Governor Simon Bakola along on paper um, corroborates their own definition or what plateau looks to them. So I think it's, it's, it's really important. And he says before the end of his tenure, um, it's a project to cushion the housing, housing, what is it called? Um, housing, the software. Housing, housing deficit. Housing, deficit, housing yes. deficit, yes. You know, would be commissioned. So let's get to see eventually if that is done before May 29. <laughs> well, I hope so, you know. Uh, if he does it, commission it, it's going to be in the best and good for uh, Plateau State. But, well, uh, 2,500 civil servants, 3 million naira each, do the math. <laughs> well, uh, let's play this instead. We have two guests, and when we come back, the show will continue. Stay here. Let me quickly say that uh, the constitutional responsibility of parliament is to provide laws for the good governance of Nigeria as a community. It is in view of this that uh, we members of indeed Nines Assembly who are returning and some members elect for the Tenth Assembly, we came up with this idea of joint tax as a coalition which cut across the political parties. If you listen to the last guest, he talked about so many figures in the hand over notes. There is no way you can achieve this as a government if you don't have a legislation. And in doing that, you need cooperation and partnership between the arms of government. So there is need to have a stable house and a stable uh, national assembly. How do you do that? You must queue in into the best global practices. Why you find out all over the world, the mainstream party, the majority party in a particular country produces the presiding officers. 
Nigeria cannot be an exception. And that's why we seek the cooperation and partnership of our sister political parties to form a coalition of responsible, seasoned, experienced members to come up with a group that will queue in and adopt anything that is suggested by the leadership of the mainstream APC party that is in government. We must ensure the incoming government of Ashwaju Bola Tinubu succeeds. As Nigerians, we are not sent by our constituents to come and quarrel or fight with anybody. We are assembled to discuss Nigeria and discuss developmental programs and projects and policies of a government by way of partnership so that right. Nigeria can move forward from where we are. Having said this, I have, I have seen you have displayed interested parties. It is their franchise to contest these positions. But there must be only one speaker and one deputy speaker, one Senate president and one deputy Senate president. They are all men of integrity. They are our friends. We knew them. We knew what they can do. But Section 14 of the Constitution have helped in sorting out some silent and key and fundamental issues. That is the issue of social justice. If you look at 14.1, it's talking about social justice. If you look at 14.3, it's talking about federal character. I am a pan-Nigerian, and all members of this coalition, joint tax, are pan-Nigerians. By coming in to National Assembly to represent your constituency, you are no longer a local player. You are a national player, and therefore you will be looked at issues subjectively and objectively. You have to look at Nigeria first, the unity of this country. You have to look at the rights and the privileges that can be accorded to other segments and other parts of the country, irrespective of religion, political party, gender, region, or what have you. Right. So therefore, the coalition called joint tax, we are not promoting any particular candidate and we are not after or against any particular candidate. What we are after are very simple. One, the unity of Nigeria. Two, the stability of the National Assembly. Three, to ensure cooperation and partnership with other segments of government. And most fundamentally, to have a stable, tense assembly. We right. have seen, as a litmus test, in two instances, where in the first leg of Buhari administration, where you have and Bukola Saraki and Ekwere Madu. It doesn't organize, it doesn't speak well about Nazi democracy in the world. You don't do such partnership, so we cannot go for a repeat of such. We have not seen the Wase and uh, Baja combination, that they are working in tandem with the executives. Members of the Nice Assembly can testify to you that in relation to budget implementation all over the country, you will give Buhari government a pass mark because budget implementation never go below 80, 85.
Well, glad you're still here. The program is Nigeria Sunset. That was a lawmaker, an APC chieftain, you know, making uh, a case uh, that the APC should uh, take control of the uh, House of Assembly as it, as it were. My name is Ponsak Fanab, and the program is Nigeria Sunset. I have my colleague here with Gilbert me. Gilbert Joseph. We have two guests, Ambassador Melvin Eje, lost but found. <laughs> but he still is, is here. Good, Good evening. evening. Thank you very much for Good coming, evening, sir. Good evening, Flatu. Well, uh, we're going to talk about your election, you know, sometime in the program, but... Uh, we're glad you're strong and, well, you typify a politician that believes politics not do or die, you know, affair. We have uh, the respected public intellectual human rights activist that has trained uh, many generations of uh, human rights advocates and activists here in Plato, uh, Barrister Dr. Nankin Bagudu. Good evening. Thank you very much for coming, sir. Good evening. Thank you very much, listeners. The listener, we're going to talk about the war in Sudan and how it's affecting or impacting sub-Saharan Africa. In the news, if, you, if you've been following, the UN has reported that about 2,000 people, uh, citizens of uh, Sudan, have fled the country, and some of them are migrating into Eastern uh, Niger Republic, or Chad, uh, I beg your pardon, uh, Chad. And, I mean, the UN is saying that uh, they have issues with uh, food shortages. The doctors in Khartoum in Sudan are saying that uh, if the war doesn't stop, it's going to uh, bring about the breakdown of healthcare system. While in Plateau State, we have our local, you know, security challenges. In Nigeria, we're still battling with the uh, war in the northeast. You know, the Iswab or Ansaru or Boko Haram or I don't know which you know name that they want to uh, go by. So, how do this, you know, affect? Back some years ago, I remember, you know, scholars in Nigeria, especially within the religious community, uh, raising you know, raised concern at the time, saying that uh, those who go to, at, at, you know, gain um, theological education in Sudan have been radicalized and they come here to radicalize, uh, you know, other people. So, uh, you see, in the past, it was radicalization and right now it's war. Uh, and But how will that impact, you know, on sub-Saharan Africa when it comes to peace security? Well, Barrister Nankin Bagudu, let me start with you. I mean, when you, when the war broke out, um, what was your uh, thought, initial uh, thought, when the war broke out? Well, thank you very much, uh, JFM, for at least discussing issues outside Nigeria and issues that affect the African continent as a whole. First and foremost, my heart goes to the families who have students or relations or wards in Sudan who are undergoing a lot of trauma about what's happening. My heart also goes to uh, condolence to the families who have been bereaved as a result of the crisis that's happening in Sudan. The way to understand what's happening in Sudan is good to have a brief background. Sudan, since 1956, has been at war. And the war has started not really because of anything, but because of the agenda that the Arab government, the Arab, the Arab um, agenda, Arab Islamic agenda that had come into power in 1956. Sudan, just like Nigeria, is a colonial creation created by the British, and you, may, you also remember that um, the word Sudan refers to the interior of Africa. Yeah, Sudan, yeah. There's a time when we had the, the SIM. Sudan Interior Missions. And the SUM. Sudan United Missions. Yeah, we were, in those days, even Nigeria, even just, was regarded as part of Sudan. But it was just a nomenclature. But as time went on, the names were changed. So when, when the crisis broke out, I wasn't surprised because 
for over 50 years, the entire Sudan has been at war. But all the capital of Sudan, Khartoum, has not been affected. Yeah. There has been war in Darfur, war in southern Sudan that became independent, war in, in, in South Kordofan, war in the Numba Mountains, war in uh, Abia. So the entire Sudan has been engulfed in war. Mm. But it's only this year, last month, that war broke in the capital. Khartoum. Khartoum. And it's, it's mainly a case of chicken coming home to, coming home to roost. Because for the past 50 years, the, the Arab, the, the Sudan is made up of two distinct groups. The Arab, the Arab clan and the African clan. Black Africa. The black Africans. So what happens is that the Arab clan, the Arab tribe, were using the black Africans to fight the dirty war. In all the things I mentioned, in Abia, in South Sudan, in South Kordofan, in Nuba Mountains, everywhere. And they have done the dirty work. Now those black Africans, which are represented by RSF, also want to come to the capital to, to take over power. Mm. And it's affecting everybody now. So we're very, very concerned. As you said earlier on, a lot of Nigerians have gone to school in Sudan. A lot of Nigerians have passed through Sudan. In fact, in those days when people were going to Hajj by, by foot or by camel, they passed through Sudan mm-hmm. from Borno. And many, many of them didn't come back to Nigeria. So Sudan has a very large population of Hausa people. In fact, last year, there was a fight between the indigenous group and the Hausa community about some hurting rights. The Hausa community in Sudan started demanding for rights of chieftaincy and other things. So this, this fighting now is affecting a lot of us. And it's very sad because at a time when the world is moving fast, I'm moving into nanotechnology, I'm moving into artificial intelligence, electric vehicles, Africa is still fighting that kind of war. It's very, very pathetic and sad. Okay. And I felt very bad about it when I had it. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about the impact, you know, in yeah. South Sudan, Africa. But yes. I, I Melvin Ajay, I mean, uh, when the war broke out, you know, he said that he was sad. Did you, uh, what's your own initial reaction? Well, good evening, Plateau. And uh, my initial reaction is, uh, is sudden. And also a great sense of shock that at this age where just like my brother here said, the world is moving to technology to develop a country they can call theirs. We still have people thinking like animals in an already torn region, torn country like Sudan. I just read a statement from William Ruto today that the African Union, let me digress, it does not have $85 million to support Somalia, to rebuild Somalia that has failed completely. The entire African region are waiting for money from the European Union. Now, if you put Sudan's issue now to the African Union, I wonder what will happen. So I think it's high time the African leaders come together. This is beyond Sudan. If you, if you look inward critically, there's an external interference. There's the religious factor. There are f- several factors that we have to look in. And the earlier, the better we solve this problem the better for the entire region. The African nation, the African country is so broke. We cannot afford to have another failed African state as Sudan is going today, mind you. I'm happy that you brought the issue of, you know, failed states. Somalia uh, Somalia is, you know, a typical example. But uh, let me come to you, uh, Dr. Bagudu. When Libya failed, uh, when he failed, uh, Gaddafi in 2012 or so, uh, the movement of light weapons, you know, started growing across yes. the Sahel. Yes. 
Yes. Uh, and it raised a lot of uh, uh, concerns and issues. In yes. fact, some scholars like you have argued that uh, that war was what uh, brought, gave arms to Boko Haram and exactly. other Rakta groups, you know, exactly. especially within the Sahel. Exactly. Do you still have that fear that, you know, uh, this time around it may be worse, especially that Nigeria shares border with Chad and then Sudanese, ref uh, Sudan no. refugees are coming into yes. Chad, you know, yes. through the eastern border? Yes. Certainly, when, the, when, when Libya fell in 2011, when Gaddafi was killed, while the West was rejoicing, they have killed the enemy. Many of us were very concerned because the amount of arms that were coming out of Libya. Today, the arms are all over West Africa. They are in Nigeria, they are in, in Niger, they are everywhere. And that of Sudan, it may even be worse because Sudan has chemical weapons, they have biological weapons, they have so many, many, many large amount of arms that are going to be left. The RSF. Rapid by, support forces. Yes, yeah. rapid support forces that used to fight the two war in those places have a lot of arms. Yeah. A lot of arms. And most of them, they fought in Darfur. Darfur has a boundary with Chad. Most of the tribes that are in Chad are in Darfur. And where is Chad? Where is Nigeria? So the danger of more arms coming to Nigeria are very, 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 very strong. And a lot of Nigerians have ties with the people of Chad with people of Sudan. In fact, you go to Kano, there's a regular fight that goes to Sudan almost every day from Kano. We have over 3 million Nigerians, 3 million Nigerians that have ties to Nigeria that interact very well. The central bank governor, Sanusi, is studying in Sudan. Yeah, of course. Many, yeah, of, yeah. many of our people are studying there. Correct, yeah. So there's a very strong bond between Nigeria and, and Sudan. And when, 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 when there's no effective government control, when, arms, when, the, when the use of force is in the, in the hands of different kind of groups, then just are going to be there. Even mixing with even the, the kind of fundamentalist government that took power in, in Sudan over the years and armed a particular part, a particular group against the other, these arms are likely to find their way into Nigeria. Yes. So Nigeria, we we'll have, we'll have to wake up and know there's a danger looming around our, our, our border. That's what happened in Libya. If we believe that it's only Sudan, it doesn't affect us. We're making a very serious blunder. That's why we must, must put in touch what's happening in Sudan. Apart from bringing back our people who are, who are stranded there, we should take a position in the, in the, in the, in the African Union yeah. and to see what can be done about it. This idea of always looking forward to the West, looking forward to the European Union, or blaming Russia, blaming uh, uh, America for our problems, I think we're too mature. A child at the age of 50, she's not looking forward to the West or the East. But let's sit down as African Union and look at how we can solve the problem. The two generals are fighting a war of ego. Yeah. What, what can we do to stop it? And the earlier we've done it, it's done, is better. Because I think, I think we tolerate. I told earlier on, the entire Sudan, as, as I have idea, well, this is the only first time that it's coming to the capital. That's why everybody's making noise. But the whole 50 years, there has not been peace in Sudan. So now you come to the capital, everybody's worried about it. And the, earlier, the federal government takes a position called an emergency meeting of the African Union to sit down and find a way of stopping this problem as soon as possible. If not... Going to be a problem because in 2019, the of Sudan protested against the, in fact, the rise in the cost of bread. That was what caused the problem because bread, bread rose up and people could not afford to buy bread. Yeah. They went on protest. And Ami hijacked that protest. The two generals, Buhan and Meleti, took, yeah. hijacked, hijacked the revolution of the people. And now they're fighting themselves about control. So we should take this matter very seriously. If not, a time will come when people cannot sleep in the houses. 
danger we are going to face. God forbid that. Well, uh, Ambassador Melvin, would you like to uh, respond to that? Give your own Yeah, let me just add another a very shocking aspect to what my brother here said. We must look at the issue of refugee. Our immigration must step up at this point in time and begin to mount our borders very seriously like it needs to be because as it stands today, both illegal immigrants and illegal immigrants and criminals will start dropping into our countries. We have common boundaries. We have we have problem that is caused by was caused by a Libyan war that have not finished and now is Sudan our neighbors. So our immigration need to have this sense of urgency to begin to man our borders. Our customs need to get to work. Our armed forces need to begin to man those areas we have common borders with Chad. Otherwise, we are going we are still going to have another situation in our hand. Then the European Union, the, the African Union, need to rise up and stop playing politics. We must move but beyond. But does, does the African Union has you know any capacity? Because in all of the seventy-two hour ceasefire was you know uh, by the Western powers, but I've not heard any strong statement you know from the uh, African Union to say that I, I no, just, I just they are that. going to negotiate or to bring. Uh, and for me, it bothers me, and that's what uh, Dr. Baguru said. At times, I will sit down to think: Is it that we, we don't, we can't provide leadership for ourselves, or? Uh, we are being lazy, or we don't know how society should work, or we don't just don't care. Sadly, uh, this is where we find ourselves. But I think it's better late than never. We can still begin to do something at this point in time. Uh, I just told you a shocking revelation that the Kenyan president, William Ruto, said African Union could not afford $85 million. That's the money an individual in this country have, or in, in this country have. African Union as a body could not afford it to assist a failed country like Somalia. So I think they have been sleeping. There's every need for the African Union to rise up and begin to do what they tax. Because every country paid tax into this African Union pool. Where has the money been going? Where, where, where was it going to all this while? Who was managing these funds? And Nigeria as a big brother in Africa needs to rise up. There's a need for an urgent consciousness of the African race. We need to realize that the West, the whatever uh, what power that we think, are only interested in our minerals, they're only interested in our resources, they won't solve our problem for us. In fact, they'll be happy if we have problems. We have to call this speed, speed. We need to begin to solve our problem. This is my stand. All right. Good that you ended on that note. But Dr. Bagudu, the challenge and worry for many is, first and foremost, democracy, in theory, hasn't worked in Africa. Perhaps except when you're looking at a case um, where Mauritius is making the sort of advancement it's making. And then you have a challenge of this magnitude. And he spoke about mineral resources. You have the U.S., you know, the issues of pipelines in transporting gas through Sudan. You have the issues of water resources for Russian forces who came out to deny. The Wagner Group did deny that fact. You have all of these influence. How worried are you that the solution perhaps isn't even as close as we're looking at obtaining, you know, um, in order to put an end to this problem in Sudan because there are a lot of vested interests. The issue is just, um, I mean, it's too intertwined. It's too intertwined. Actually, the main reason for the fighting in Sudan is the army, the Sudanese army and the RSF are fighting over control over mineral resources. Mm -hmm. That's the underlining mm -hmm. reason for the fight. Issue. Yeah. Because in, the, in 2003, 2003, 2005, General Hermeti, who is the leader of RSF, was the leader of, the, of Janjaweed. Yeah. Nigerian militia was one of the groups that was established by the Arab government of Al-Bashir to fight uprising in Darfur, in South Sudan. 
in the Nova Mountains and South Dakota Fund. And they couldn't pay him. So what they did was to give him mineral rights to, uh, to exploit gold, to exploit uh, some uh, uh, um, all manner of mineral resources. He gave him a right to, to exploit it and export it. So he became very, very wealthy. Now, when, when they were able to crush the rebellion in Darfur, and then there was uprising because of the when, when, when uh, Sudan discovered oil, they were able to start, start a lot of projects in Sudan that they were able to complete, dam projects, infrastructure projects, and so many projects. They wanted to be able to say they can improve their economy. Unfortunately, in, 20, in 2011, South Sudan broke away, and most of the oil in South Sudan, and therefore life became very difficult. And because of the uprising, people, people, people went on the street started protesting against the government. And therefore, the government, that had to be a coup. General Buhan and, and the RFA commander, Tameti, took over power. With the promise they're going to hand over power to civilians. But this fight for resources, because they divided the resources among themselves. The army was in control of export of oil. Then the RSF commander was in the export of solid minerals. So this is actually the, on, the grand, on the ground reason for yeah, the fighting. Yeah. They're not worried about the poor people in Sudan, they were about, about the masses. And except all of Africa today, democracy is in regression. In fact, in the early, early 2000s, people were very hopeful that democracy are going to start Africa, but all over West Africa today is in regression. There's, there's dictatorship, I'm mean, a constitution to, for, to, to allow for continuous rule of, of dictatorship, there's coups. So the, the question of Africa is quite very, very extremely worrying. And this fight is being propelled by many Western countries. There's no doubt about it. The, Fran the French are doing, are doing that in many countries. The Russians are, are coming recently. Americans, yeah. the Chinese, all of them are fighting for African resources. Now that Africa, the, the world is moving towards electric vehicles. There are a lot of fight for minerals that, that will these vehicles. So the line reason for this is actually fight for resources. That's why my brother has said the Africa you know has not woken up. They are sleeping. All of us Africans have problems. Yes. As, pan, as, pan, as, pan, as a Pan-Africanist, I feel very pained that all the fight for independence in the 1960s is going in vain. Did the Arab Spring, when it happened, yes. did it have any impact in Sudan, considering there are very good amount of Arab population, population. there? Did it impact anything? No, most of the, the Arab Spring actually had more impact in Tunisia, in Algeria, in Egypt. Yeah. It didn't have much impact in, 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 uh, in Sudan. Sudan. No, Sudan has actually run a fundamentalist uh, Islamic system of government, where the government imposes Sharia law acro across across board. Whether you're a Christian, you're an animist, you're a pagan, whatever you are, you have to follow uh, Sharia law. And there was a lot of repression. There was protest during the Spring in uh, in Khartoum, but there, there was heavy suppression. And then they used divine and rule tactics. And anybody, if if you are a South Sudan, for instance, you're a Christian, you rise up against the government. They say I didn't because I'm a Christian. Mm -hmm. If you are a native. Sudanese from Darfur, Udoma Mountains, they brought religion into it. And therefore, it was heavily suppressed. So it didn't have much impact as we expected, like in, in uh, Egypt, in uh, Algeria, in, in Syria, other part of the country, where there was massive uprising, but it was later all suppressed. So the fundamental problems of these of, of this African countries cannot be solved by outsiders. It is us Africans who have come to the realization that, look, what we are doing in Africa is not taking us anywhere. The world is changing very, very fast. And Africa is still fighting ethnic war tribal war. And what's happened to them, as I said, is that by the time more arms come into villages, hmm. into communities, nobody, nobody will be safe. Just as happened in Sudan, fighting was happening in the villages, nobody cared. Now it's in the city. 
how safe are we tomorrow that the cities in Africa, in Nigeria, will be safe? Nobody knows. Ambassador Melvin, Nigeria yeah. has the biggest you know, population in the diaspora, the biggest diaspora community yeah. in Sudan, 4 million. And when you look at the numbers and the sort of effort we have seen by government to you know, deport, if I may use, these citizens from there, it's been, it's been so unserious, to say the least. And for me, the fear is we might yet have Nigerians stranded despite the $1.2 million budgeted to ensure that they are evacuated from that part of you know, Africa. What can be done differently? Well, I think the, this government is going, it's fast going, just uh, 29 days from today. Uh, we hope that they go well. I am a cat member of APC now, I must tell you. But I think uh, we must show more seriousness and concern when it gets to human life. We must stop poli playing political human lives. One thing that I must tell Nigerians, why not trying to hold brief for General Buhari? The president cannot be everywhere. The president cannot be everywhere. My only quarrel with him has been that why has he not been waving the big stick against these people sabotaging his government? Let me tell you, if you check that money that was released from the federal government, it's very possible half of it was stolen by some people. Half of it. The president means well. He wants to act right. He wants to get it right. But he has people in his government who continue to sabotage him, and yet he will not do anything. They, for crying out loud, if they have their children in Sudan, they won't be this unserious with, with human life. Some of them were stranded in the midst of nowhere. They were calling on Nigerians. Imagine being stranded in the forest, in the desert, for five whole hours without water, without food. How do you cope, you that is in your house, five hours? So I think it's a very, it's, it's, it's a very frustrating situation. But we do hope that with the response we have now, it will get better. But for me, to be very honest with you, I can't wait for this government to hand over and just leave. I must be very frank with you. I can't wait. I just want it to go. Maybe as Asiwaji is coming, he will learn from the mistake of um, President Buhari. People need to be told to do the right thing. People need to be fired. People need to be shown the way out. People need to be sent to prison for not getting it right. That's the only way a country can move. There must be a sanction and a reward system for every public, public officer. Somebody who's in the, in the comfort of his room in Transcorp, eating money meant to evacuate Nigerians who went for legitimate business in Sudan. And you have you not and nothing will happen. It's a very frustrating situation. I think I'm sad. All right, Doctor Bagudu, let me return to you. Um, the history of colonialism, for example, let's look at the encomienda because it was copied by the Britain, and to say the least, they had the blueprint for um, colonialism from Span from the Spanish guys and all, and it's such a dangerous trend. Because you could have people wanting to emancipate themselves, but a few could be taken away and used as agent. And it becomes really difficult to free yourself from all of this. And in truth, the Sudan scenario has brought again a big reminder before us. When we want to say the African Union has to wake up, you always have a few more within who go on to sabotage the process. It help us to just shed some light on how this could be achieved, to say a blueprint or a mini blueprint from you. Well, I, I did my master's degree on issues of Africa and even my PhD. And I'm, we're extremely worried about the condition of Africa. My belief is that Africa has taken the wrong route 
towards development. If you're in Jos, you want to go to Abuja, you take the road to Bauchi. If you're, if you're going at 150 kilometers per hour, you know, you know, you know, you know Abuja. Because you are going to complete the wrong direction. Yeah. Africa from 1960 has taken a long route to development. The nature of our nationhood, the, 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 the countries of Africa were imposed on us. People that ought to be apart were forced together into one country. People that ought to be together were divided into other countries. I expected that at independence, recognition of the African Union, they could have, African, African leaders could have sat down to look at the nature of African states itself and call for a Africa-wide referendum to redraw the African boundaries. Those who want to meet their brothers, the AOS in Ghana and the AOS in, 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 uh, in Togo, for instance, mm. if they want, want to be together, let them come together. The Yorubas in Nigeria and the Yorubas in, 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 in the Republic come to, to together. Mm. The, people, the, the people in the Middle Belt, known as the Quranafa, Kingdom, don't come together as a country, let them come together. Let us reconfigure and look at the, the state of nationhood. That's the first step towards development. Because the way the, the, the way Nigeria, the way the nations are, are created, we cannot progress. The next hundred years, Africa will not progress. Because look at Nigeria as a country today. Everybody in Nigeria today has different aspirations. The outside man in Nigeria, you know, Nigeria has a sense of has a sense of cultural sense of nationhood with the outside man in Niger than an Ibo man in Nigeria. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. Today you go to you go to Kano, you go to Sokoto, they feel more at ease when they live with a house man, either from, from Cameroon or from Niger or Chad. A full man born in Barking Ladi today. Feels a sense of attachment to a full animal in Guinea than a bureau man close to him. These are issues that we, we need to face. That's right we have to face of, of a country because everybody has different aspirations. The aspiration of one group may be to have as many children as possible. The other group may be to have one or two children and train them properly. So everybody has different aspirations. We have to sit down as a nation. This is what Awolo fought until the time he died. Nobody listened to him. Look at today in 2020, 23. Well, look at what we are as a country. Nigeria is not productive. Everybody wants to consume. Everybody wants easy life. Go to Abuja and look at the amount of looting going on. It's unbelievable. I, I told my friend that if Jesus Christ has come today, if I go to boy, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ was so angry when he went to the temple. He stopped on the tables. If Jesus Christ is to go to Abuja today, he's going to put fire on every, every building. <laughs> what, what looting going on? Looting going on. So you can see that nobody has a sense of attachment to, to as a nationhood. That's why the problem happened in Sudan. When they, when, they, when they went to evacuate Nigerians, they were, gave them the form to fill their name as state of origin. In Sudan. Imagine. Isn't that ridiculous? You ask somebody, a, a, child, a, a child in, in university, maybe it's 18, 20 years, you ask you, give me a form to fill, write your name, your state of origin. What has state of origin got to do with somebody in Sudan? That means you want to discriminate against them. If you, are, if you come from the wrong part of Nigeria, maybe they will not evacuate you in time. So you can see the way we move as a country. It is frightening. I've never been so, so discouraged about the future of Nigeria as, as I am today. I'm very, very discouraged. The things will keep getting worse for a country because we have played the wrong foundation of nationhood. And no matter how, what effort we make, we cannot progress. Look at our democracy in Nigeria today. Look at what's happening. All right. 
Well, uh, in case you're just tuning, we've been having a chat with uh, Barrister Dr. Naikin Bagudu uh, and Ambassador Melvin Edger. We're looking at what's going on in Sudan and uh, how it's going to impact Sub-Saharan Africa as a uh, whole. 090-55-666-99-081-218-7777. Before you call, turn down the volume of your radio. Hello and good evening. Hello, Bonsoir. Good evening. Thank you for calling. Join the conversation. Tell us your name first. Yeah, it is a great comment on the line. We're listening. Good evening, and your guest inside. Doctor, there. Thank you. I'm sorry, I many years ago, Africa now or never. I don't know when mainly Nigeria, you know, it's a sleeping giant. Somebody called Nigerian. That mistake, we made it in Ukraine. We made it in Libya. We made it in South Africa. Even in Ghana here. Why? Libya must be in front. Fact, apart from the students who are there now frustrated, about millions of Nigerians in Sudan. You know, Sudan can be accessed as the centerpiece of African foreign policy because of their cruciality. People going to your library, the speaker have said it's very important. So I don't know why the all world, Unyema, Abiketa, all of them are there, junketing, drinking tea, spending allowances. You didn't see this on time. The whole nation that almost coming to collapse, you are asking the government whether you are going to do, you want to find out for them, want to battle your people. Well, I don't want to talk, uh, Ponsa. You know, Africa. Africa should sit up. Look at European Union. Africa cannot practice a single currency. We cannot have a very single tra traveler document. How many is in European Union? About the seven nations. The Bulgaria, the Brazil, the Greece, and that, the German. And they are working very good. And if you look at this president of this country, they are living in They don't have anything but their skills and joy. Africa should wake up because it is too late. Look at how army these are taking over. Because of bad governance, nothing more. So I don't know where they gave their own business or governance. Everybody coming there to read themselves. Go to these places. Their leader, their president, are very, very common. They move around. They don't go with escort. But yeah, when we come, we create a bureaucracy. That will be causing problems, and we don't care. They should do something that bring these students. They have, sent, they have voted about $1.7 million. Yeah, we'll wrap up your thoughts, sir. Thank you, Ponsa. Good evening. Have a nice day. Thank you, thank you. Indeed, we should sit up. Hello, good evening. Thank you for calling. Hello? Okay. Uh, maybe Gilbert will take us through uh, social media to check if we have comments uh, there. Yeah, we have a good number of comments. Comrade Dawus Longa says, let the incoming administration turn Nigeria into a production nation than being a consuming nation. Albert Sakaya Dagza says, economically, the country will be put on halt because businesses will have to stop and investors will seek for safe haven elsewhere. Steve Tongpan Zulong says, good evening, Ponsak Gilbert. And the two guests in the studio, the war in Sudan will bring a halt to all meaningful development in the country, and its partnership with other African countries will come to a standstill. Kakuka Factors Go and says, Good evening. Nigeria should focus on their country's problems and wait to peacefully welcome their own visitors. Ambassador Joachim Joseph Dung says, 
the war in Sudan is a very bad signal to Nigeria and Africa. All African governments need to rise and find a way out of this before it consumes us all. Osi Tuga, if your man says, good evening all, it's so saddening listening to the plight of Nigerians in Nigeria and all over the world. But what I have to say is that there will be time when we are powerless to injustice. But there should never be a time when we stop to protest. Coombs, Nanmal says, Nigerian government should be aware of all the injustice they are doing to the masses. One day, um, all right, all right, comrade Yusuf Bitri says, the war in Sudan will affect other sub-Saharan African countries by stranding their citizens there. Or it even might kill some of them. Um, all right, all right, Pansak. Maybe we need to return to the phone lines. Okay, are you getting some trouble? Uh, okay, uh, maybe let's take this one and then the guests will give their response. You know, uh, the recent killings in Plateau. Hello. Hello. Good evening. Thank you for calling. Join the conversation. Tell us your name, please. Thank you very much. My name is Eti Kumara. I'm calling from City and Chi Junction. Well, listening. Thanks for calling, sir. Yes, I will commend your guest. You have spoken very, very well. And actually, when we look at the things that is happening in Sudan, it's something that some African countries have to take it as an example. Because the war has been very, very long. And there is not any solution. It's only that people from other countries are coming there to just uh, uh, pass their uh, people outside uh, out of the country. That's to tell you that the economy of African country is going to be affected, especially Nigeria in large. You see, the population in Nigeria is very, very wide. That's why we, we even urge to have the census. And our uh, immigration, the way uh, foreigners are coming to Nigeria, I don't know how it takes. To travel as a Nigeria, even to enter Nigeria here, you have to make some papers. But you will see a person will come illegally to Nigeria and build houses, but nothing is happening. He's not even paying tax to the uh, country. And we must take uh, 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 nationality in our mind to be one and, uh, and, uh, and, uh, and cooperate before we succeed. And lastly, you see in this present administration, in the Buhari administration, actually any uh, 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 blame on the campus is going to be on Buhari because it's control in the time that you change even three ministers before a general will end. That tells you that the minister have been checked. So, Buari have not let it fulfill a promise to Nigerian. I think it's only 30% if you did that. So, there is a lot of things that the newcoming government... Hello. Okay, I think we we lost connection with uh, Sadiq there. Let me come to the guest, uh, Barrister uh, Dr. Bagudu. What, what I mean, how does it make you feel this renewed attacks, you know, in Plato State? Some have said that uh, clearly it's the issue of sabotage. Uh, but what's your own thought about it? Yeah, it's very saddening and sickening that uh, despite all the reported effort that the current government in has given, has made, and even the federal government, all what I'm hearing, things have not changed. There's hardly a day that passes where you don't hear reports of killings. And this thing is, is unprovoked, is well-planned, and systematic. Today it is Basa. Tomorrow is Mangu. Next tomorrow is Rion, a biking lady. And this is done clearly with an with a, with, with a attempt to take over and occupy various parts of these communities. Even in my village... I come from Mikan local government in Garkawa. For the past one month, there are a lot of reports of attacks and killings. 
of women, of children, very unprovoked. You are sleeping in your room, in your house. You are, planning, you are trying to manage life, to sustain yourself in a very harsh economic condition. Somebody comes, points a gun at you and kills you. You don't know what offense you have committed. So it's a very, very worrying trend to us as people at the state. It happened in Benue State, in Nasarawa State, in Southern Kaduna, in Taraba. And that is no longer safe. And just like, just like in Sudan, if people in the city think they are safe, mm. one day it will bust out in the city of Joss. And it will become street to street fighting. And I think that the government must take the necessary step to address the issue in the long term and the short term. Those who are arrested and found to be culpable should be punished appropriately. Because the story we're hearing is that some people doing these things, when they're arrested, taken to the police headquarters, stories fly in that. When the, 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 the case is taken, referred to Abuja, and they're released. So they have the, the, the guts to do what they're doing. But let them know that a time will come when the when a day of reckoning is coming for those people that are doing this, this kind of action. All right, thank you. Well, uh, Ambassador Melvin Edger. I mean, what uh, have you been able to make sense of what's going on in Plato State as to the lasting solution to it? And uh, well, basically, I'm, uh, let me first uh, condo with the family that have lost their lives in Barikinladi, Mangu, Rion, uh, Bokos, and even Mikam recently. I, I can't make sense out of this senseless situation. It's actually a senseless situation, Ponsak. Let me make reference to my brother here. I can't imagine why innocent people are killed in cold blood for committing no offense. The only offense is that you are sleeping, you are innocent, and you are hacked to death sometimes. But let me tell you one of the solutions, Ponsak. Yeah. Before I go there, I will have to commend the current commander of STF who just reported some months ago, Major General A.B. Ibrahim, for taking proactive steps towards solving this problem at once. He took some steps, and I'm sure the steps will start paying off soon. We must begin to call a spade a spade. Even if your brother is killed, you must look at it beyond tribe, beyond religion, beyond sentiment. Because anybody who commits such a crime, Barista, you are here, it's a criminal. And in these criminals, we have them across every tribe in the world. We have criminals among Fulamis. We have criminals among Hausas. We have criminals among every native tribe in the world, including Idoma, where I come from. We have criminals. So until we begin to see these people as criminals, the good Fulami, the good Mikam man, the good Idoma man, the good Hausaman come together and solve this problem. We won't get out of it. Until we stop gambling and begin to find out what are these issues. Because when it gets to criminality, Sometimes these criminals come together from several tribes, several religions to cause crime because there are people benefiting from this insecurity in this state and beyond. This is a solution. I'm, I'm saying it without, without sentiment. We must call a spade a spade. It's just a one simple sentence. Let me give you an instance. The general impression is that if one tribe is killed, it is believed it's that tribe. If this tribe is killed, it's because it's believed it's this tribe. We can't go on like that. As bad as this thing are, we need to look inward and begin to investigate the genuine cause of this death and work towards solving it. If not, we are going to go a long way 
fighting this battle. Yes, there is a deliberate agenda by some people who feel that all of us are not Nigerians who want to take over our land, no doubt. But we must also look at the criminal factors involved in this whole thing and solve it as one people. The whole tribe must come together to sit on the round table and discuss this criminality without sentiment. All right. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Barrister Dr. Nankin Bagudu from the League of Human Rights. And thank you, Ambassador Melvin Edger from, uh, I just forgot the name of your organization now. Global Peace and Rescue. Gopri. Gopri, yeah. yeah, Global Peace and Life Rescue Initiative. Gilbert Joseph, your final word. Yeah, for me, the biggest peak has to be um, our definition of the Nigerian dream. If anything, uh, it was what you know, Dr. Bagudu has said about the aspirations of each ethnic group. Let's have you know, a point where we could all say this is our collective group, our collective goals and objectives as a people. For me, that is the greatest speak. Good evening. Yeah, well, good evening, dear listener. Uh, enjoy the rest of your uh, evening. The DJ is going to give you good music and have fun. Enjoy the rest of uh, the Workers' Day. Bye now. Thank you.